lines for, for everyone? Yes. Yeah. If I ever run for public office, it's French gamays for all under 20. Oh, I thought you were saying for people under 20. No, Which no. was a very hot take. No, well, we should also, you know, as Americans, you know, change our drinking culture. I agree with this. I think like, if I had been exposed at a younger age in a more dignified setting, I don't think I'd have the problems I have today, to be totally honest. Well, you know, it's like if it was like, you know, a little more common and not more like, oops, dad's trashed on a Wednesday. It's only just a scary thing, you know, or and it's not joyous or just nothing then Americans in the relationship with alcohol would be way different. Or this this particular American's relationship with alcohol would be much different. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm agreeing with you. I think the problem is that this goes back generations in America. It's, a, right. it's our strain of Puritanism. It's prohibition. That's coming back to bite us. Some of it's prohibition. A lot but of it's prohibition. We know prohibition didn't really work. Nobody really obeyed that. Yeah. You've seen Boardwalk Empire. But even if you put it just a little bit under the radar, people are like, I gotta get the fix. <laughs> You know, well, then yeah, binge sure. drinking. Sure. Yeah, I think I had a rebellious attitude about drinking in my teens that wasn't healthy because I, A, a I had to hide it. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, at least until I was caught. <laughs> and then B, I felt like it was a, you know, it was a sign of my independence. So going hard felt like it was a necessary component of it. Huh. You really want to go in the opposite direction of what your family wants you to do. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Because, you know, my mom is basically like a teetotaler. Really? I've never seen my mom drink. Oh. Or actually, I take that back. <clears throat> I, I remember one Does she really... smoke the wacky tobacco? No. Huh. She seems like she would. Uh, she does, but no, she's not into drugs and alcohol. Her mom, her mom, my grandmother, was a real serious alcoholic and smoker. Okay. And it really turned her off to the whole idea. Right. And her f- biological father, who I don't think she ever knew was also a drunk and was totally abusive to my grandma. So it was That'll like, do it, yeah. It was such a bad family situation. Well, it can go one of two ways, I feel. I think my mom took the bright message, which was refrain from all this stuff right. forever. Well, uh, it's in the genes then that... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that's where I get it from, I'm certain. Probably. Probably also from my dad a little bit mm. and his whole side of the family. But they have a more, you know, jolly attitude towards drinking. There's no right. dark side to it. Mm. I've never really seen my dad or anyone on my dad's side of the family get like angry drunk. Well, you're you not know? an angry drunk, you're a sad drunk. That's true, but I also get angry. Mm. I get mean. You get mean. 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 It's, but that's not angry. Angry is like throwing stuff in. No, I understand. It's not violent. I'm not violent. That's the distinction that I would make. Well. But I am angry. I get very mean. You get petty. I don't think yeah. petty is the same as mean. Um, yeah, all my grievances start to come out. Yeah, and then I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a jo- I'm mostly a jolly drunk unless I'm, you know, blackout. Billy comes out and he's just we. Don't, I don't know him. He's an asshole. Yeah, but he's nev- an- he's he's incredibly annoying. He's incredibly annoying. I've never <laughs> met this man. I don't know him. I don't know her. He turns into a rubber band. So not only is he bouncing off the walls. <laughs> he's also heckling yeah, everyone yeah. in sight yeah uh-huh that's a tough combo and then somehow knows the passwords to all my you know fucking accounts and is like hey i'm gonna go on a journey and you're like you should not do that 
Oh, he's the devil on your shoulder. He's the keeper of those passwords. <laughs> he's the one who knows. He's like, because I'm like, I don't know those passwords. It's like, oh, Billy does. Oh, yeah. Billy's got those mm-hmm. locked down. Um, That's why I have probably maybe five total passwords that I use, which is probably terrible to admit. I've been trying to narrow my passwords down lately because, you know, over the years how the security protocols became more and more stringent uh-huh. where now you have to have like not only a capital letter and a number, but like an alphanumeric symbol, and oh, yeah. like all this shit. I finally arrived at a password that has all the requirements every time for the last two years or so. It's been without fail. I can use it on every website. Yeah. And I've been slowly converting all of my accounts to the one password again. That's a really bad idea. I know that, but the thing that is happening or has been happening is that I just have a version of two passwords across everything. So now when you're guessing, because you don't oh, yeah, exactly really fun, know, yeah. you either get locked out or you have to go through, I don't know, a 45 reset, yeah. different permutations yeah. to eventually arrive at which one it is. Well, do you have the problem, too, of like you can't use the last, like one of your last four and you're like, oh, I tried that, but that was my fourth one and I was locked out after three and then fuck my life. I forget what service it was, but I just ran into this where I had to invent an entirely new password. And I'm like, the next time I forget this one, I won't even be able to guess it. Right. Some sites I just like, you know, Google do the thing for me. I'm like, just make one up for me. Well, that's the other thing. I do that too. And then your browser remembers all of your passwords so you don't even have to commit them anymore. Mm -hmm. And if you ever run into a situation where you're on a foreign computer, for example, that doesn't have your Google Chrome and you don't want to log into your Gmail on it, then you're fucked. I don't know my Google password. Really? (laughs) Ironically, I probably... I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's a good thing nobody listens to this. one of three. But my Google password is the simplest one of all my passwords because it dates back the farthest. They've never made me change it. So it's the like er password. It's the original version of all the other mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. yeah. But no capital letters, you know, it's like a very insecure password. I love using addresses because you can kind of throw like, you know, caps in there, dollar signs. I uh Oh, I just remembered what my Apple ID is. Never mind. We're good. Okay. I thought you were gonna say it. I <laughs> sure wasn't. But I just remembered. W L Sorry, I was going to try to what? say your your computer password out loud, but I can't remember it now. Oh, that's my bank. You can't <laughs> say that one out loud. That's to... Well, you got the first two letters, so well, any but... hackers out there, you got a head start. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a very specific password for two things and two things only. Okay. Uh, well, it's funny that you mention addresses because, yes, my new password r- regime involves addresses as well. It's the easiest thing to remember. You're like, oh, what was that chain of numbers? You just got to remember oh. what the like weird combo is. Yeah. So, like, if you're throwing dollar signs and ampersands, you're like, where did I fucking put those in this one? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oops. Right. So, oh, that's fun. <clears throat> Anywho, I did not go to the Met today. Yeah, somebody fell asleep, I guess, and it kind of ruined well, no. their whole plan for no, everything. No, 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 no. I, 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 I did a little, like, you know, wander, not really wander, just do a loop, a two-mile loop around Bed-Stuy. Um, that's weird for you. You're not like a walk taker. You were just walking around. I had to drop off my laundry and my car is two blocks away and the laundry is two blocks away. So I was like, I'm not going to go get my car to go to like, that's just stupid. As much as I love driving, that's dumb and I'm in a good spot. So I'm not moving sidecar. So I do the drop off and I'm like, well, I could hop on a bus and then get on the train to the city. It's already like one 30 
it's a nice day. I don't want to spend it mostly underground, going to the Upper East Side, then to be indoors again and then have to fight with like office people on the way home. Let's say hard pass on that one. Um, so I did a little walk, went to Sergina, was hoping that there'd be a sandwich. There were no sandwiches. So I said, okay, I'll give me bread. And then I went to wine store, got the, got your requested beverages. Wow. This is the first time in years that you did a day like a New Yorker would do it. You ran all your errands on foot? On foot. On one hand, this is a very will day because it involves a nap and a sandwich. (laughs) It involves snacks and booze. (laughs) But on the other hand, I'm like, who are you? What do you what? You didn't drive anywhere. You Oh, I even went to the grocery store too. Your laundry. This is incredible. This is a step in the right direction for you. Are you feeling that winter weight and wanting to get a little more active how about you go to you fuck off um, i mean i'm feeling it i don't know i wasn't accusing you of anything of, one of my pairs of pants is falls down a little bit now when i wear them and i'm like yes mm, yeah the 34 waist back down to you the 33 shut the fuck up <laughs> it's the uniqlo medium or is the elastic so stretched out that now they just it's fall not down? that no it's the uniqlo medium which is now 30 to 32 uh-huh and i went huh oh boy i the saw the smalls used to be 28 to 30 now the smalls are like no 27 to 29 i'm like no wonder i can't fit in them really that's the rare instance in america where it got small they shifted it down because yeah. it's cheaper to make them less material interesting yeah well you know i think with the zoomers bringing back low-rise jeans and things like this i think mm-hmm. people are going to start trying to be skinny again i think we might um... be swinging the other way on the pendulum of like celebrating fatness and going back back to the proper way which is coke body no, I, I think that still looks unhealthy generally, but... Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, my, my we'll taste see. is One a little skewed, hope, so, you know. you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, you were trying to explain to me why, what, which actress was attractive, and I was like, I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, no, this was not an actress. Never mind, we can't talk about this. Well, it started out with an actress, but <laughs> yeah, yeah we, can't, we can't talk about this. Okay, black box that. All right, great. Um... Oh, it was in the Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, I like Haley Steinfeld. And I was like, and I you, don't know who that is. I believe you. Yes. No, 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 no. What you said was the pie-faced girl. <laughs> the potato-faced girl. Yeah, yeah. She has the, she has the face she has of a, a round potato. head, but yeah. sure, whatever, man. People's heads should be round-ish. Mm, I need some angles, you know? I mean, I was surprised you went that direction of like criticizing me, because Haley Steinfeld is obviously hot. The thing that's weird about it is the age difference. That's an age gap problematic. What is she, like 24? Maybe a little younger. <clears throat> hmm. I, I don't know. I, th- I, I thought you already crossed that Waterloo. It's weird in my head because the first movie I remember seeing her in was the remake of True Grit. What? With um, with Big Lebowski. What's his name? Jeff? Bridges? Jeff Bridges and uh, Haley Steinfeld. And she was a young girl in that, like 11 years old. And I think that movie came out, I mean, it came out more than 10 years ago. But... I was already a grown up. Yeah, then and no. now, then now that she's gotten hot as a young lady, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like being into Kiernan Shipka or something. Ew. That's how it feels to me. That's verging on, you know, having a Olsen twins countdown timer. Right. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. In my defense, I never did the countdown. She just appeared on the Hawkeye show, and I was okay. like, you know what? Hey, good for you. You've you've grown into it. <laughs> Looking good. Okay. You've grown into the, your potato face. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I I don't I don't know, but you you did say the thing about like, what was it like, strong bodies or squat? Bo- I don't know. 
Well, like peasant women. That's the worst. <laughs> you yeah. can't. You can't use that as a descriptor. But it is a descriptor. I mean, I, by that I mean women that are in very good physical shape, but they have broad shoulders and wide hips. So, and usually small tits, to be frank. Okay. And a big ass, to be frank. Okay. So they look stocky, but they're not. They're fit. They're just. Uh, they're just large in frame. I Flor- still... Florence Pugh was the uh, quintessence of this. I would say. What she is she dead? I mean, dead to me. She was in the same show. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway. Kidding. Okay. But yeah, I don't know why you brought this up if you didn't want me to be problematic. I'm just being honest. It's <sighs> like, that's the way they look. It's Well, fine. no, you, you brought up the Coke body, and I said, no, no. And then, you know, my counter to that was your preferences for these stocky Eastern block broads. Look, I'm well known as an intersectional feminist. I'll take whatever I can get. Where? What gulag are you an intersectional fe- feminist in? Excuse me. No. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I think like every every time that it's tried to go back to like the night, like cake. I wanted to call her Cake Moss, um, <laughs> but that's incorrect. Kate, I want cake. Um, Kate Moss. You yes. know, like every time we try to do that, that's always like. Listen, we we tried it already. We tried it several times, and it's just never going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how how hard people are actually trying at this. I don't think, I don't think it's coming back just because America as a place is so fat. Like it just can't. It doesn't. Work it's going here. to be alienating to too many people now. It's not aspirational to enough. You also can't make money off of it, so that's why no one right. makes you, that. You shit. can't put. You can't promote that anymore. Again, because it's too alienating to too many people. So, right, you can't promote that as a celebrity, as a model. I mean, I don't know. Plus, you'll get backlash of, like, it's unhealthy. And you're like, maybe five pounds underweight. Yeah, that's even too much, though. I think it's pretty clear, though, that being underweight is better than being overweight. No. Yeah. Because then if you gain a lot of weight, all of a sudden you're, like, it th- you know, throws off all the, the inside mechanisms. I, I don't know. What's your point here? Um... No, no, I'm not really sure what to say. Other I don't than, know. <laughs> other than like, yeah, I think Coke body would be interesting to see come back around. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, it, yeah. I like all types of bodies, but it's bad to be fat. Oh, that's boy. pretty much my summary. That's your. That's your. That's your manifesto. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Well. You know, I I, I was reading a thing. What was it? I was reading something about. Oh, there were, uh, someone was, making printable PDF cards. <clears throat> for kids to take to the doctor or young people to take to the doctor that were like, please don't weigh me unless you absolutely need to. And I'm like, you're going to the doctor though. They kind of need stats. We need yeah. data. Yeah. I was made aware of this as well. I saw this on the internet. And I was confused. I think you just kind of have to give them all the information. You do. I mean, it's a, it's a bad, bad thing to normalize obesity. Well, yeah, it's a, t- it's a, it's a health condition, and it's self-imposed. It's something you can do something about, by and large. There's always outliers. There's always genetics that make it more difficult for some people, might require invasive surgeries or whatever. But by and large, being obese is bad. But You can be a little chunky. But I mean, like... you shouldn't even really be overweight. Like, like both things are bad. The, the normalization of all of these things and the avoidance of calling them what they are, which is a serious health problem, an epidemic in this country. 
again, like COVID deaths. Think about it that way. Oh, America right. has more than anybody else for a reason, and it's not because of vaccine hesitancy. It's not, you know. Because we're chonky. It's not even necessarily because of a for-profit health system. It's because of fucking fat people. Well, it's a twofer, I think. It's a, it's a, it's a three lot of factors, yeah. but that's a major one anyway. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think it's. I, I don't think you should have the option when you go to the doctor of whether or not you get weighed. You, well, you, it's, especially if it's being given to children. I thought the whole idea. Insane. I thought yeah. the idea was like, oh, you give it to kids because then they'll like be self conscious. I'm like, well, uh, how? Uh, what? Then the doctor's just gonna be like, well, I can't. You told me not to weigh you, but uh, you're overweight. Like if you're looking at you know a kid who's wearing husky pants, you just kind of go automatically. Well, it says it in the name of your pants. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think they do that anymore, do they? I have no idea. Husky sizes and yeah, they probably don't. I think there is a term, but I I don't know what it if it's like big kid. Sure, something. But like that. that can be like fluid enough to be like, oh, it's because you're older. You're a big kid, fatty. Like sure. I mean, it all boils down to the idea of being healthy at any weight and that not being true. Mm. And it's become insane that you can't really say that or you're not supposed to. Or that even a medical professional is supposed to dance around that when it comes to advising you. That's that, psychotic. That's the part where I don't get it. I'm like, social construction, sure. Don't walk around and be going like, ooh, hello. Um, but like a doctor should be able to be like, hi, so I think you could maybe like stand to lose 10 pounds. And your back pain, the back pain that you're complaining about would go away or something like that. Yeah. Right? That's fair. For most people with like a limited restrictive diet and regular exercise that would solve almost every health problem that you have from inflammation to you know headaches bad feelings whatever it is all of that would go away at a healthy weight yeah i don't know again it's another thing i don't really know what to say bad feelings usually go away because the endorphins if you're like running or something well yeah exactly but if you're a sedentary obese person you're not getting any and you also don't want anyone to comment on why you have so many health i mean yeah it's self-defeating the thing that's weird about it to me is the attempt to make fatness into an identity group. Well, we did it to cops, so might as well do it to fat people because yeah, I mean, they're sure. one and the same. It's just a product of everything now. Right. I mean, where's that flag? I mean, we. I mean, there was that bread. Oh, it's the br- The bread flag was there. The, yeah, the, the thin bread line. Yeah. Yeah. My people. The first thing you ever said you would put on your car is a bumper sticker. <laughs> As a little jokey joke, nothing goes gets stuck to my car because it'll fall off. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like we've dug quite a hole here. Yeah, I feel like I'm letting you drive and you're just digging and digging. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not afraid of my misogyny and anti-fatness. I'll own both of them. That's fine. I just, well, I'm speaking to all overweight people in general and as an overweight person in general. <laughs> so... You know, yeah. Well, what what are you trying to say to them? That's what I want to know. What you think about all this stuff? No, you're bringing it up, but it's like, you know, are you alarmed by the idea that people would bring cards to their doctor saying, "Don't weigh me"? If you go to doctor, if you're like, hmm, because I, you know, I don't go to doctor unless something is wrong. So if you're going, I don't know. Maybe most people go to doctor normally. I don't know. Yeah, I think. Most people that can't afford it go to the doctor a few times a year at minimum. Why? You only need to go to get one physical. 
Uh, people go and do checkups, but also people just have health problems. I don't know. I know a lot of uh, women have to go to the doctor quite a bit well, yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, but I think they also just tend to go to the doctor more often, like for more minor things. Like that's why they live. If longer. I think yeah. I broke my finger, yeah, like this happens all the time at work. It gets crushed out of cr- between a crate and another one or something. Yeah, you're like, if hey. I think I broke it and I don't know I broke it, I'm not going tape to it the together. Call it a day. Yeah. But there's plenty of people that are going to go. And right. spend the seven hundred dollars to just get a popsicle stick put on their hand. Yeah. And it's like, look, if it's bad enough, I'll put the popsicle stick on at home. <laughs> you know? I just I don't know. Right. And, and part of it is also a negative psychic thing of total avoidance. Like I'm even afraid of physicals. I'm like, I don't want to know if yeah. my blood work is bad or if I have some serious chronic condition. I would rather just find out when it's too late to do anything about it. This is why I don't like go to fix my car. Right. Until something is wrong. This is a ne- this is a negative thing. I want that to be oh, clear. Yes, I think yes, Will yes, and I yes, are both yes, yes, quite yes. aware that yes, this yes, is yes, not yes, a positive yes. quality of either of our personalities. Also, I it's so it takes so long to find a doctor. Uh, yeah, because you got to go to more than one to figure out which one you if want. If you like them, yeah. yeah. And then if you go and they're like, oh, I think you're probably fucked up, you're like, okay, but maybe if I got a second opinion, uh, you know. For me, it's not even that. Like, I can tolerate most doctors' personalities. I don't really think it's that big of a deal, like, who you actually go to. But the thing that ends up happening is you're just in it for more money because they're like, you know what? We need to follow up in three weeks. And then after that, we need to follow up every six months for the rest of your life. And you're yeah. like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, I came here because I want this solved, okay? But that's just not how medicine That's works. not how medicine works. So yeah, well, my version of medicine is like, you know, eh, I, I get advice from friends. I think that's how medicine works in other countries though they're like oh we fixed you leave that was free well again it's just the financial problem of like hey man if you know if it wasn't going to cost me a thousand dollars a year you know right. netflix is already raising its prices you should cancel it i, I think i'm going to honestly i am i'm gonna throw down for i'll keep the disney plus rolling i think that's the good move i think disney I plus and hbo max are worth it and i want paramount plus why i'll watch drag race for two months and then cancel it <laughs> okay, here's here's what I think I'm going to do in lieu of the streaming service. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get rid of Netflix for sure. Oh, yeah. And then I'm going to go back to my old ways of VPN and torrenting things. Satire. This is satire. Yeah. Optimum. This Hypothet- is satire. Hypothetically, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to get more invested in a bigger, better hard drive and a better Plex server, a home server. Why don't we just get an Apple TV? Well, wait a minute. No, because it's not the same as an Apple TV. Doing it yourself serves two functions that I think are important. I've been thinking a lot about this because of the Netflix price raise. It's embarrassing how much more (laughs) I'm much more thoughtful about this than my own health. Yeah, I was like, wait, this this was supposed to be a quick aside. And now we're really getting into something that's been thought about. I have been thinking about this for days. I have this all worked out. So the the home server serves two functions. Uh It alleviates the problem of going on a streaming thing and having to just scroll endlessly through menus and i'm never satisfied by this i'm never satisfied by the scrolling itself and i'm never satisfied by what i pick fair you know i think that's a common thing i want to curate my stuff again Mm. my music and my media okay right because if it's something that I want to watch, I'm reading an article online and it's like, oh, this old movie from 1937, that sounds like something I'd be really interested in. Rather than, is this on Amazon Prime? Is this is on it, HBO yeah. Max? Can I actually find it if it's there? Oh, did it get gone two months ago and now it's on another one that I don't have? Yeah. Go and download it. <clears throat> is it on it. Hulu that I don't want to pay for because fuck your ads? Go and download it. And if I've gone through all that effort already, chances are I'm probably going to watch it. 
Yeah. And even if I don't watch it, you know, it's there doing no harm and I know where it is if I right. ever want to get around to it. So that's the that's the number one thing, the slowing down, curating mm-hmm. things for yourself again. Making, Instead of watching... Making a plan. I don't want to come home schlock. and put on Arrested Development for the fifth time because I can't find anything else to watch. Right. I want to have a backlog of things I do want to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a Kurosawa movie. Maybe I'm in the mood for that finally. Whatever it is. So I want to approach it that way to slow down and... Because I think streaming services are a lot like the phone, where they actually are just capturing you mostly by having you scroll. Time on service. They don't care if you're watching something or not. Hmm. They're trying to sort out what your preferences are. So you scrolling and picking and then unpicking and then picking again oh, that's helps cached, them yeah. more than watching something. I, that's probably true. So I want to get I want to get away from that. And, you know, that basically sums it up. It's the two things. It's like getting invested again in actually caring about the things that I'm watching and slowing down. Right. Well, all it's this is kind of the problem that was, you know, remember at the dawn of Apple Music post iTunes? Like how people like just uploaded their things, like c- ripped CDs or whatever into the iTunes bank yep. and then people would transition and then their like special version of the thing was gone because it was replaced yep. by the official. Yeah. Like all subscriptive models, all are just trying to pen you in from any sort of special version that you already chose or accumulated in your life. Yep. This is why, like, you know, in a perfect world, every book that I own would be available to just be like, well, I already bought it. Please PDF it for me. I have a solution for you. That have one you ever heard of LibGen? You told me about this. Yes. yes. So I can just get all my books and then just put them on the thing. 100%. You don't have to put them on there. They're already there. Oh, great. Every book, every translation of every book, every edition of every book ever. Is that is an app, though? already free. No, it's a website. God damn it. Okay. But, like, it would just be nice to be like, well, where's my, where's my, where's my Young and Evil catalog? I just want, I don't want to look at it. I want to be able to screenshot instead of going, do I have a scanner? You know, like. Sure. Anything like that. Just to be like, well, if you don't want to be, you know, trapped to the physical object for in a moment for, se- sure. for some reason. You sure. Know? But yeah, you are right that the every streaming thing is just a, a pen that is trying to extract more data yeah. from people. Well, and it's just trying to capture your attention. Like right. I've been thinking about this on a more profound level too, because I think um, time has been flying by for me lately. Hmm. The last month or so, I just feel like, where did it go? And I feel like I've been in a haze the whole time. January flew by for you? Yeah. Huh. And the, and the months God, before that, and I think it's largely because in these pandemic times when I'm not doing too much social activity and it's mostly the same on weekends, the same on weekdays, it's very routine. Yeah. Um, You're not forming any new distinct memories, really. Right. So it all blurs together and time gets really atmospheric. Part of that, too, is scrolling on your phone or being on the internet in general, including streaming sites. Mm-hmm. That steals time from you. Yeah. Like the other morning, I always have about 10 minutes. When I'm finally done with my morning routine, I have about 10 to 15 minutes to sit down and just chill for a second before I have to put my shoes on and walk out the door. Mm-hmm. And it's a very obvious insight. But I've noticed that like, if I go on my phone for that 10 minutes, it feels like nothing. Right. I feel like I'm out the door again in a second. But if I just sit there and think or if I you know, flip through a book... Or whatever, do the dishes. It can be sit, have a coffee. It can be anything else. That fifteen minutes feels nice. It feels refreshing. I recalibrate, and I'm on on to the rest of my day in a much more positive spirit. Hmm. I think the internet in general right now is just such a 
such a negative suck because it's not yeah. productive anymore. I don't ever learn anything on the internet. Right. Not not anything like serious. I learn trivia, but that doesn't help. And you also can't remember it because it's coming in at such an incredible pace yeah. that it's like pointless. The rate of you can read as yeah. many Wikipedia pages as you want, but none of them are going to stick. No. It's better to read it out of a paper book or you know, at least set aside that time. Out of context, out of the web, out of the context of other things that can come in and stream in. Exactly. This is why you know, why I was telling you the other day like reading a full article on ipad i was like oh this is great because i was getting texts on my phone but they weren't coming into the the thing that i was reading and i was like oh this is enjoyable because i can feel the buzz and go i don't care right now and just dismiss it and just be present finish the thing and then go oh hi mom yes it is snowing yeah i am aware right they're not in the same interaction yeah i i learned an interesting factoid the other day that also has been sticking with me in this regard. If you have a high level of concentration, whether you're painting or reading, you know, some activity that requires sustained concentration that you build up to. So it takes a couple hours of doing it right. to really get into it. If your concentration is broken for even a couple of seconds, it takes an average person 23 minutes to get back to the same level of concentration, which I find about accurate. Like if I'm reading a, this happens to me sometimes and, and, this is not a criticism. It's just the first example that came to mind. Sometimes when I get up earlier than you on a weekend and i am been reading my book and I'm a chapter and a half in and then you get up and there's sudden noise and activity and then you come out and make breakfast and stuff like it takes me the same amount of time to finish the chapter I'm on as it did to read two before. Right. That. Just because suddenly like the space is different. It's been altered. Yeah. It's really hard to get back in that headspace. Oh, no, that's... I mean, it's... I think, like, because it's in addition to, you know, diverting the... It's not a tent... It is diverting your attention. You can... You know, there are people who can, you know, read wherever, but you do have to be like... Mm. But if you are in, like, almost silence, then any little noise, you're just like... Your brain goes into alert mode, which is not the attentive mode. Right. Because you're like, do I have to react? In that instance, no. No. But, you know, if you're like in, you know, in studio and then you're like, all right, I'm listening to whatever and then just hammering away. And then I get a, a, you know, work pingy or some stupid shit. I'm like, okay. You're, it's like closing a door, having to open another one in the vault and then going, okay, we're here now. What? Right. And A, the answer, you know, whatever interaction in that room of brain function is not going to be great because I've just been disturbed. It's like the old school, like, why did you bother me in my study? I was I was doing things. Yeah. Um, and then you're also like, so you're reacting and changing your, your brain functions into what kind of calculus you have to do at the moment. And then you're also, once that's done, it could take like, you know, five minutes total. Now you have to walk yourself back out the door, but now you have like a lot of like, hmm, what's, hmm, you're, what's that word where resentful? I was like, what's the R word? Like the resent of someone breaking your time. You have to walk yourself out of that. Like, why the fuck did you text me? I don't need to know this shit. I don't really fucking care. Do you know what time it is? It's seven o'clock on a two. Shut the fuck. I'm not, you know, that kind of thing. So you, you have to do all of that work to walk out of that door. Um, 
both in the calculus and the emotional preparedness to reopen the other door. Yeah, and once you've reopened the other door, you have to do the work again of like uh, clink, 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 like climbing yourself up the roller coaster hill before you can finally reach the apex and get back to where right, you were. Yeah, it takes all of that building up. Yeah, sure. Um, the other day, somebody sent me a text message, and I saw it and responded and was like, it was a link to something, and I was like, look, I'll check this out later. I don't really have time right now. Mm-hmm. And they texted me back like, LOL, it's only like a minute long because it was like a video or something. Fuck you, I and don't I, care. And I was like, that is not the point. The point is I'm doing something else. Right. I didn't say this to them, but this is the resentment going on no. in my head was like, like, how dare you? You don't have the right to impose on me. I even said, like, I will check this out, just not right now. That that's very generous. You know what I do? I look at it and I go, I'm not looking at that for I often, three hours. I often do that, but it's you know sometimes, I, you know I had the mind to just say yeah thanks, but later, and then to get like condescended to like it's only a minute long. It's like you. I, I would block that number. <laughs> you have no right to impose on somebody even for a minute of their time. Well, this is what this is what like you know the plane of phone phone plane of image barrage and information barrage like people are like oh what do you mean you didn't have time to reply to the text you're like it's not aim where all i'm doing is chatting it up and being attentive all day it's like okay i will respond and speak of the devil can you pause please yeah so in the mind of the listener it's been about one second <sighs> yet over here at green and lewis hq it's been about 10 minutes and uh i don't remember what we were talking about other than well, we were talking about attention tension being, being interrupted <laughs> welcome to business paper interruptions <laughs> two. <laughs> electric boogaloo <laughs> don't say that that's so hack it's just uh, i mean yeah the pr- i mean this is the problem this is this general problem of you know not being able to have a thought because there's you know intrusions um has been uh, a deep problem not only recently but throughout the course of the past year to the point where I'm like okay this isn't working for me anymore um, so like like I didn't quite have this problem in the past of having oh not that one of having um, you know as many incursions on my uh, energy and time um, by, by business papers. Um, and now I'm getting to the point where, you know, I might, you know, lose it. Um, like my own sanity is now just like being tested and I don't, I don't appreciate it because you can't like turning on and turning off with any frequency is very difficult to do. Right. As we previously discussed, but, when it's constant and you're always just like, oh, am I going to have to put out a fire today? It just keeps you, you know, cloudy. Like it prevents you from looking forward to anything because there's always a possibility you might have to put out a fire. Um, it keeps you from like saying, I can go in the the room of whatever, whether that's reading or making things. I, I can't always, I have to leave the door open to that because I might have to run out of the room to put out a fire. That's the critical thing is you say you have to leave the door open. But I wonder if that's really true. Um, yeah. For example, when we record the podcast, I think you should turn your phone off. 
Oh, I, I it's only I an hour it. because even yeah. if we record an after show, there's a gap in between where you can right. deal with it if you need to deal with it. Right. But like, what would really happen if you did that? Nothing. Mm. You would have called this person back 25 minutes from now. Maybe. Yeah. And it would have been fine. It would be the same result. Hmm. Mm. Well, this was part of the thing is if I answer and handle this call, then now I can anticipate and now I don't have to worry about a fire at this point. I mean, it's Schrodinger's fire, man. You don't you don't <laughs> yeah. know whether there is or is not a fire until you pick a fire, up the phone. Yeah. So at what point you pick up the phone is up to you. I just want to know how, how bad the fire is and, you know, if like, you know, the cow tipped over the lamp in Chicago or like, you know. I want to avoid psychoanalyzing you because I do that enough and it's not productive. But this is that's critical, though, is you want to know. And I think you have to train yourself to not want to know. That is hard. It is hard. That is hard. You know, it takes something like uh, 30 days to wire your neural pathways either away from a habit and into a new one. Right. Or vice versa. Mm -hmm. I think you have to work on something like that. Like, I think, uh, you know, you give enough time to your job on during the daytime hours. Right. Whether you're at work during your shift or whether you're on a day off and you have your phone on uh, from, you know, 9 a.m. till 8 p.m. or whatever. But Mm -hmm. maybe you should institute a period of time where it is simply off. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to run into trouble because yeah. of this. I mean, again, what's really going to happen? It's your yeah. desire to take control that is keeping you enslaved here. Well, the other, more than the job. Well, the other day I did not. I missed a, a barrage of phone calls before eight a.m. Um, because I was still sleeping. Yeah. Um, that someone couldn't go into work uh, on a day, and I was like what um which at that point would have been too late for me to do anything about it because i was like well even if i got this at eight i would have to get ready i probably wouldn't be there until like 10 anyway so well this is trying to do this is the perfect example of what i'm trying to illustrate here which is just that the result is the same whether you answer the phone or not and the only thing that's different is you have no psychic pain because you did it accidentally and were unawares right it got handled exactly by other people. And, and I was it, like, oh, thank God. And it always would, yeah. is the point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, think, I think, I can't remember if it was on an after show a couple weeks ago or on the main episode, but I gave you some criticism about, like, attention spans, like I always do. Right. Because you always give me, like, shit for, like, oh, you're the only one that reads long books, or you're the, you know, whatever. But, like, having having an attention span is truly one of the only ways to resist it's the only valuable thing at this point left yeah it's and it's the only valuable thing you can have control of without having any money right um and if you want to get political about it on some level you're denying social media companies their revenue by doing it too you know if if i'm at home all day on a sunday and i'm just painting and reading a book Mm -hmm. i've contributed nothing to the problem that day Right. The algorithm as well as has preser- no it has data, no data yeah. on me for an entire day, which I think for an American is incredibly rare. I bet most right. people don't do that in a year, even once. That's so, wild. So, yeah. like doing that as a matter of course, as as often as you can. And yeah. nobody's perfect. I'm a slave to the phone, like anybody else. Yeah. But I, I do really think that, and and the more you practice that, now I kind of sound like a meditation person because it is a similar yeah. thing. But the more that you practice that, the more and more uh, depraved everybody else seems. Like when I oh, go, to, yeah. Another example is like when I'm at work, I 
am also capable of sustained focus in on the, the tasks at hand in the tasks that I have and I like to complete tasks and people think that's like a magic ability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It well because people are like why do you want to work so hard? And you're like I'm not trying to work hard, I'm just trying to get the thing done. So it's I'm just I'm not done. working hard at all, but I am working well. Yeah. And the ability to sustain attention is just a component of that. Right. It there I mean there are clock watchers that are like I just I don't really care and I'm going to take my you know take my little walk around and do a little bit of nothing over here and then you know like we all do like some days are a little more you know there are days when I'm like I don't give a shit what are we doing I'm going to go get a coffee who wants coffee I'll buy cuz oh, I sure. need to walk everybody has spacey days like that yeah. I mean I left work today and my I was walking to the subway with a coworker of mine and he said Man, I did almost nothing today. It was so boring. And I couldn't believe it. How is that possible? I don't know. That's uh, most Americans, by the way. Yeah. They're like, I didn't do anything. It's another day. And you're like, and you're happy with that. Well, I think part of I think part of it is that people genuinely feel so much resentment and alienation when it comes to going to work. Right. That the only act of protest that they can possibly conceive of is abstinence while imprisoned. Like, basically putting yourself in solitary confinement at somebody else's expense. Right. Whereas I look at it more like, well, I have to be in the prison cell. Like, what's actually in here? What can yeah. I work with? Like, I, I really do think that... Like, if you went to jail, you'd come out a lawyer. Yeah, maybe. Honestly... You'd be one of those people. Honestly, yes. Because it, all I really want to do all day is read and think. That's what I do with my free time. You know, when I'm not too exhausted to do it, that's what I do on weekends. Yes, of course, that's what I would try to do. Yeah. I mean, and th- and that's not to be self-aggrandizing. I don't know where this ability came from or whatever, you know? I think a lot of this is just luck and intuition and, you know, innate b- brain chemistry, probably. Mm. Um, But anyway, yeah, back to the idea of the cell, like, what I think of is like, well, what's in here? And I, and I do genuinely try to be optimistic about it. So when I'm at work, I'm like, what aspects of this do I enjoy? What can I focus on that will make this day either go by faster or more productively or whatever for me? Right. And I think people get that mixed up because it's not like I'm working well to benefit the company. Yeah. I don't care whether I, where I work makes any money or not. That's not it. It's not to impress my bosses or anything. Although those are knock on effects of what I'm doing yeah. and they don't hurt you. That's the dirty secret, too, is, like, being good at your job is only better for you. Yeah. So, okay. But it's for me. At the end of the day, it's because I want to improve uh, in the limited circumstance as best I can at any given time. I try to do this in conversation with people, too. It's You can practice this in every dimension of your life. Yeah. Driving. Parking better every time. Whatever it is. You, you can constantly try to cultivate the Zen garden of whatever banal thing you're doing. I mean, it's, this right. is water. That's what that speech is about. I mean, the goal of being like doing, doing any activity well is at least for me, like the more that you can just kind of not fly on autopilot, but just get to a level of mastery where it doesn't take a lot of triage energy in your brain. That's where I'm always like uh, trying to achieve in like, you know, my work person i'm like is this gonna cost me thought labor no okay great because i don't have to think about it if someone's like i have a problem and i can't figure it out i'm like do this and they're like what i'm like yes i'm not thinking about this this is not a problem 
moving on. And they're like, oh, I just like that as a solution of like, this is not a problem. Nothing about this is a problem. Because when I, if I have to have a series of never ending head scratchers, I'm more depleted than I would just be just having my time and my physical energy depleted. You know, like it, that's hard to train and or teach other people to participate in though. Yeah. And you're always in a difficult position as middle management of that being a component of your job that you must handle. Well, you must, the teaching you know, of other people. If something happens with a crate, you must handle two on a very local level. But like, if it's, you know, if you're like, Ooh, that's real broke. You're going to go find your boss and be like, it's real broke. Uh, sure. But I, but I guess what I meant was I, I, See, part of what I like about the status that I have and the job that I have is that the need to delegate tasks as a matter of course is entirely optional. I don't right. ever have to do that. If I feel like collaborating today or I'm forced to collaborate today, I can participate in that and I can do that to the best of my ability as well. Mm -hmm. But I almost always have the option of noping out and being like, I will just do this myself. Right. Um, very, very rarely... Am I put in a position where I must teach somebody something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like having control over that because I don't particularly like teaching people. I mean, I learned that early on. I mean, I learned that in grad school. I saw how, I saw how other people interacted with students and what they could get out of them and what I was getting out of them, and I, I couldn't c compete with it. I might be okay at making art or okay at making a box, but I'm not very good at t telling someone else how to do it. That's a different mm -hmm. skill. Right. The ability to articulate like a complex and intuitive process is uh, something that must be cultivated too. I, I don't think I'm particularly good at it because I'm always like, it could be better. You know, there's always a, a faster, better, easier way to transmit this. But like, you know, well, what to, to focus on the original point of like, you know, choosing to engage in your day in the prison, like that's not something teachable quite frankly that's a behavior set that is not something that you can pass along you can just speak its benefits to you know my day goes really fast if i just get my shit done and i don't have to really like think about it and i'm generally happier because i have energy when i leave here like you can sell the benefits but you're just selling it's still an emotional response and a logical response like it's not necessarily about oh that's a new skill it's like I could tell you the ways that I do that, but like that's not going to necessarily work for you because if you're not going to buy into this idea, then you're not going to do it anyway. Yeah. But like, you know, I think for most people, it behooves them to figure out, how, you know, to teach themselves law in jail. It, you know, life law in mental in work jail. Right. To make the metaphor clear, like because then you are a little you are more free once that eight hours or whatever is over. But then we have, you know, the plain jail, P-L-A-N-E jail, which is the phone where you are a captive and also a fugitive at the same time. You're running around in your own little plane and then yeah. other things are trying to hunt you down to take your attention. Sure. These metaphors are, I don't know if they're bad or just, I'm articulating them not so great. 
I mean, no, it makes sense to me. It's a little bit convoluted. But yeah, it's a strange thing where you're imprisoned by... I mean, the phone is your cell, but you're also able to run from it. Like, you can never... You're on a treadmill in the cell. Right. You can never really escape it. But what I'm trying to convey is that you can. It is a choice. Right. And I and I do think I do think more and more it's it's better than politics, that's for sure. Like worrying about macro problems doesn't really help anybody right now. But there are micro problems that you can control. Right. And unfortunately, it's the hardest type of thing to impose on your psyche, abstinence. Like it's really hard to withhold things from yourself, especially addictive things. Mm-hmm. And I think phones are more addictive than nicotine. It's a harder habit to have a distant relationship with. Uh, maybe it does the same things to your neurochemistry at an even more uh, to an aggressive even more depressive yeah. de- degree. Hmm. Um, so deciding that you're not going to participate in it is difficult, right? Yeah, hmm. it's much more multifaceted yeah. and attractive too, because like all that nicotine or alcohol or any uh, conventionally addictive thing does is give you um, one input and one type of attachment in your mind. But the internet can give you an infinite right. different you, stimulation. You can scratch your itch for infor- you know, knowledge or information. You can also scratch your itch to buy something, which is most of the you know, rash that it's trying to induce. And then it could but it also is connection, like this is now like your connection to people, even though it's not so you're like, I have to sure. be available to that because, oh, well, you know, like. Well, one of the reasons I'm really attracted to trying to read primary source material is because you can really easily combine education and entertainment. Like if you listen to a news podcast and there's a segment of it that really speaks to you and you go, you know, that's like really smart. And I agree with that. Yeah. You feel like you've learned it. Oh, you haven't learned anything. All the research that this pundit has done to make this five-minute segment, you know, probably several books, maybe an interview, all of this stuff that's gone into this little nugget, you now feel like you've done all that too. But you haven't done any of that. You're just mimetically repeating something that you trust, which is dangerous. Right. I mean, this is basically what, you know, we don't have the literal Reader's Digest anymore. Which is, this is basically what you're describing, is like a mediated form of articles and ideas, right? Yeah, that's just everything. That's now just everything in different forms so it doesn't look like, you know, the kitschy, like, dumb Americana thing sure. of like, oh, you have Reader's Digest, oh. oh, you read all of it, oh, that's great, it's the same size as a TV guide, what'd you learn? Well, a farmer in Idaho, okay, same shit as, like, having, like, an essay in the t- an article in the times be condensed in like a a quick explainer or whatever or like the date what what's the daily thing or like a vox article you know like it's the same shit we're just like oh it's in it's digital so it's different you're like it's still just readers digest sure no one's reading the report on you know wind patterns in arkansas or whatever the fuck well and there's a lot to be said for condensed information in a in a compact form, that's fine. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking in a lot of that. But you have to, again, make the distinction between macro and micro. Like, right. having a broad spectrum knowledge is a good thing, but don't mistake that for insight, you know? 
Yeah, and if you want to have any real wisdom, you have to take that broad spectrum and then focus on the areas of it that interest you most and learn about those firsthand. Right, that's the only way, and that's that's really really a tall order. I get, especially if you're addicted to your phone. To circle back to that, because you're depriving yourself of the ability in terms of attention span to even do that at all. If you're used to reading Vox Planers and then you go and you pick up a David Hume book, you're going to really have a hard time That's with wall. the yeah. length of it and the anachronistic English yeah. and its complex technical terms. You're going to have no point of reference for it. Um, so n- not only that, like it's a perpetuating cycle of staying, um, staying in the short little bites. So right. not only can you not consume the long-term things, it throws you back to another link or another social media page yeah. or whatever it is. Or you, the cookies have given you an ad for an Everlane coat, and you're like, sure. ooh, nice. You maybe Boop. go off to some yep. to- totally other direction, but you stay in the rock tumbler. Right. I mean, this is... Uh, so Mike Schur, the uh, Parks and Rec guy, yeah. and um, Good Office. Place guy, yeah. yeah. He he wrote a book, wrote a book, series of editor team. Um, it's like how to be a good person or the good person or some bullshit like that. And I was reading a review, not to, again, take mediated things, but it was like the problem with this is that it takes really complex ideas and then makes them perfectly, you know, centrist kind of liberal thought takes to make the idea of like Heidegger or Nietzsche like, palatable well it's a philosophy for, for dummies yeah book. and at least those books were ironic and self-aware it seems like a very 90s early 2000s artifact like that kind of pithy quality yeah. that's not a thing anymore it's kind of disguised as morality now like right. i think it was very telling that you specifically said like it turns it into these sort of milk toast liberal values because not only is it supposed to dumb this stuff down and make it like young adult so it's digestible for most Americans, but it's also moralizing it and saying like, you're right for reading this. It's yeah. It's just a, it's just a signal to be like, yes, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about working on myself and it's like, well, but did you do any of the hard work and confront any of the contradictions that are even present in the original text? And the answer is no, because it's just saying like, um, you know, like it's boiling things down to an essentialism, which is the root of misunderstanding. For ideas like well, back to a, back to avoidance. Know? I think it's it's a sort of dismissive avoidant attitude. Well, it's also I read this so you don't have to, and this is what I'm saying is not useful to me. That's what I mean. It actively yeah. promotes not having to engage with difficult ideas, right. not in the technical sense, but in the moral sense of you might find it challenging if you actually um, read Milton Friedman, for example, like. A lot of liberal economic... Martin Freeman wrote a book? <laughs> no. Uh, a lot of like liberal economic theory is based on like an ultra-conservative, at least back in the day, that's what he was considered, like, nut job. Huh. So if you actually read Friedman and you uh, set, uh, encountered in his own words like what he thought of social welfare programs, would you think of yourself as such a good person, I wonder? Right. But it requires like actually doing that, and these people are never going to point you to Friedman. They're going to point you to Ezra Klein. Because he's palatable and makes these things like thinly veiled and morally acceptable. Right. 
you know, like I was talking to somebody right before we started recording the podcast via text uh, about libertarianism because he had been exposed to libertarianism through a friend that was trying to sell him on it and then like watched a YouTube like video it's new? with his friend. Yeah, it's weird. to It's a weird thing, but you know, hey, okay, not everybody's interested. Yeah. I mean, this is esoterica at the end of the day. It's right. like familiar to me, but like most people don't care, you know? And so his like full exposure to this has been like a friend telling him to read Ayn Rand and then watching a YouTube video. Right. And I'm like, you know, and he's saying to me like, you know, like my intuition is that this seems like a completely garbage idea. Like how is this possible that you could exist without like a government or a society that like individuals operating alone uh, would make a utopia. And I'm like, yeah, your, your intuitions are right, but don't dismiss it out of hand. You should read a lot of libertarian thinkers and watch YouTube videos about it or whatever, because frankly, they control the economy and social policy. So if you know nothing about libertarianism and you dismiss it because of your correct intuitions, mm-hmm. you're going to be missing out on a lot of the workings of the world that you live in. Right. That's a complex idea. That's something that is not palatable to a liberal. Or to not even put it politically is just not palatable to everyday, most average people. Right. They don't want to encounter the this idea that, like, yeah, something can be morally wrong, but also be in control. And what about that? That's a that's a better. No one should be shocked by that, quite frankly. But you know, sure. But if you're not doing the mental math enough to get to like step three rather than step one, right? Um, the complexity of that doesn't even occur to you, right? Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, know. this is coming up a lot right now because of the. The uh, Neil Young, Joe Rogan thing. Oh, is that a... Th- I, I mean, but is that that much of a... Th- I, I don't even like... I like, just went, okay. I am surprised to, de- to the degree that it is a large thing. I mm. thought when I saw this popping off, oh, here's just another like very online niche thing that like no yeah. one's going to care about. But... The amount of respect that boomers have for Neil Young is very high. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, not only boomers, it's shocking. I'm not like a music person, so I don't really have a dog in this fight. But yeah, people are very territorial about like classic artists like this. But it's Who not was even... the other one. Joni Mitchell then was like, well, I'll yeah. stand in solidarity. And it's like, ma'am, you had one song. We don't care. Well, here's the thing. This has really gotten a lot larger than I could have ever possibly imagined. It came up in real life. What? Yesterday. And I wasn't the one that brought it up. The internet came came into IRL? Yeah, and Ew. that's that's a notable thing, you know. That's, that's gross. That's yeah. kind of rare, but I you made me think of it in terms of this conversation because when we're talking about not being able to grapple with complexity and not having attention spans and being like constantly drawn in by very simple ideas, and frankly, it's it's typically liberals that fall prey to this. Um it's one of these things like posting the black square two summers ago Oops, where yeah. all of a sudden it's an internet meme. So everybody's doing it. And when everyone's canceling their Spotify accounts, cause there's some politically problematic thing, liberals just are automatically doing this because it doesn't take effort. That's why liberals that's why, love it. That's exactly why they like it. You're, you're right on point. It is. Ooh, I get to save on my subscription or I just get to delete an app even though... Well, and I get to feel like a good person in the process. and I did something. And I get to feel like I did something against the baddies. And really, you did nothing, you know. Um, But yeah, it came up in real life. Um, Somebody brought it up to me. Isn't this a weird thing? And I was in the strange position of having to reveal that, like, 
hey, you know, like, I listen to Rogan. I'm firmly on his side. Um, I don't think it's good to censor people. I mean, Neil Young can do whatever he wants, but if you're canceling your Spotify subscription and you don't know anything about Joe Rogan, you've never listened to him, like, I think that's probably kind of bad. Again, he doesn't need the help. He's fine. He's okay. We no, no, no. But, like, but it, it, why it matters to me is that as a listener of him, all of this fighting, especially when it manifests in your life, IRL, not yeah. of not of my choice, um, this kind of political posturing becomes a proxy for people like me. It's not about yeah. helping Joe Rogan. It's about like, oh, you're a villain because you didn't cancel your Spotify subscription, or you're a villain because you support the guy that's causing this problem, right? Like, it's it's a power play that's way more about affiliating a certain type of person with being bad than it is with about Joe Rogan being canceled. He has a hundred million dollars, whether Spotify kicks him off or not, he's fine, man. And he can start his own website and be totally okay. I'm not worried about him being like kicked off the internet. I mean, it might eventually come to that. There's a lot of consequences. The, the, Spotify's not stupid. That's where the, they were like, bye, Neil. Have a great day. Well, but the more and more artists pile on, and the, their stock fell a lot because so many people canceled their subscriptions. It's not inconsequential. Let me be clear that I think at the end of the- $7 at a time has really taken a tumble? When it's when it's 100,000 people, yeah. And like, let me be clear that at the end of the day, I think this will be a thing that in two weeks everyone will forget about, and it will have yeah. blown over, and, it, and it'll be all fine. But it does have ramifications for other producers that are not as successful as Joe Rogan that are taking similar risks that now can't be on Spotify, that now can't be on all sorts of other platforms. And this has been a slow spiral of Reddit's getting banned, of things on Instagram getting notifications on them. You know, you've seen it. It's not like an insane thing to talk about. But so what it comes down to is like in my situation, it was an interesting position to be in to reveal to someone like... Hey, like you're surrounded by people you think are bad because you've had no interaction with the primary source. I mean, you don't know what you're talking about. I've had interaction with the primary source and I go, not for me. Thank you so much. And you leave it at that. I don't begrudge anybody that. That's fine. I think that's how most people should. I mean, we're a herd mentality people. This is again, this is why like the the pitfalls of centrism are I can take a position even though it doesn't really I only have to click one thing or not you know like you know for instance uh there's a modernist home in California I promise this has a payoff there's a modernist home in California shot by Julie uh Shulman the one where the house sticks over the mountain and then LA's in the background famous photo nothing big globe okay um like there was development that threatens the stability of this home and the homeowners were like please everyone sign this petition i was like honestly you're rich as fuck so i don't know why i'm doing this but honestly to lose something like that mm, you know modern icons are falling left and right and i'm like well i could i could i could do a clicky so i could i could just do a clicky it's fine but i wasn't like oh my god let's do some posts and do a lot who gives a fuck i know it's a click same thing with a Rogan. Like, oh, me me listening to one, it's not going to be the end of the world. Listening to it and then going, Ugh, don't like it. Oh, you well. can just kind of admit that kind of position, though, of like, I know my one, you know, this is my stance on voting as well, but 
you know, my one thing isn't going to make or break the whole shebang. Sure. So it's also not, it doesn't behoove me to rally the troops on any particular position because all I know is mm, the way that I got to my position. Yeah. Very well said. I mean, and which is idiosyncratic and I don't need to sell you on it. No, I, I, I think a lot of the f- sort of false equivalencies and subsequent political conflict that we are dealing with now, especially online, come from the idea of, of feeling the need for whatever reason to posture like this. And to presume that you have sway over, like, there's, you know, the Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, this is where the work processes bleed over into people's lives, where it's like, if most of the time, most jobs are about spheres of influence and being able to like sway meetings to get things yes or no or whatever that that carries over into behaviors of real life so everyone is you know the ceo of their own kind of personal marketing scheme this is also like personal branding is you know a facade of stupidity yeah um like you can't act like you're in a Zoom meeting or around like a conference table in your personal life, just having an opinion. Like you can, being present in a conversation is about going like, well, I really think you should watch X, Y, or Z, but like you're not going to be like, you know, if you don't really, you know, get down with X, Y, or Z, I don't think I can trust you, you know, as a person, which is now what people at an emotional manipulative level on top of their influential process which is a desperate move to sell absolutely and i would argue that that does not come from a place that they even constructed it's not genuine that is a once again it's like the girardian mimetic thing of you are just who uh renee girard's a philosopher of mimesis oh right okay social philosopher of mimesis i i think that this just comes from the place of you are just repeating things that you think you should say. People you, are trying to earn points in their work life and their social life. No one's insane. watching the watchers. Everybody's selling the sellers. Very yes. Very yes to that. You know? And, you know, I think, well, there it is. But I think that what was interesting to me what, about what you just said, too, was that when you're having, when you're generous in the in a real world conversation things can happen that are generative right so for example when this thing happened where somebody was brought up to me hey i'm canceling spotify because blah 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 and i was like hey you know i listen to rogan i listen to those episodes with the doctors that people think are bad like i don't think it's that big of a deal both of the doctors are vaxxed for example you know and we just talked about it for a few minutes and by the end of it he was like hey, do you like have a recommendation for like a good rogan episode that would be like a good one to listen to and and I gave him one. And, like, I think that these weird algorithmic... The canceling of the Spotify for that person, though, I'm going to cut you off, Sure, was not that deeply felt. They just felt like they should have. No, no. I think... I, I hope that that... You know, like, I hope that yeah. that was obvious from, yeah. the, from the jump. I, I want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Everything that I'm saying is orbits around that axis. Yeah. That wasn't felt, no. And it, the real-life conversation turned them in a totally different direction and to be clear also like who knows if they'll go and listen to an episode or whatever i don't care whether they do or not this is where i'm meeting meeting with you where it's like this is not my job to promote anything i don't really care my little piece of the puzzle doesn't matter this is just to point out that irl interactions can be much more consequential potentially right than online ones i think Eh, 
Because yeah. online ones are automatically parasitic. and um, Yeah, but you have to show the receipts, post the, yeah. like, you know, the screenshot of are you sure you're canceling because yeah. otherwise people are like, you, well, you didn't do it. You didn't, you didn't post. It. Right. Where's the receipts batch? And you're like, what? Who? Is this an expense report? Why, are, why am I submitting receipts to the public? But so at the end of the day, it's funny that all of these efforts happen online to do one thing or the other, you know? And at the end of the day, Joe Rogan might have gained a listener out of this, and I bet he gained a lot. You I don't know? know. It's not about him. It's about the enterprise of Spotify. Read his name in quotes. You know what I right? mean? It's, like, it's, just, yeah. it's just a stand-in for whatever the problem is. This week, it's uh, Joe Rogan and Neil Young. And it's something I happen to feel strongly about. Right. But it could be anything. I mean, I'm sure that there, there are conflicts going on on this level in every discipline of academia every day. Well, you I know? mean, we're having a, you know, a kerfuffle online about like the most listened to person on the Internet. Meanwhile, you know, the Russia-Ukraine border is popping off. I don't think that's, you know, this is where I get my tinfoil It's not hat. coincidental. And I'm like, well, but like, like Neil Young works for like got a check from the cia like he's hard up for cash well no. you know who neil young did get a check from was amazon i mean there there is oh. lots of, there is lots of ins oh, and outs then to fuck this. that like who yeah jesus christ he, i know he immediately the splash tweeted, page on apple music was we got neil yeah they, they took advantage of it i mean immediately he offered a special deal to like amazon music subscribers that they have his catalog um his back catalog of That's music was better dude. was recently purchased by a hedge fund so it begs the question was the hedge fund actually responsible for this as a pr right. maneuver? like none of this is clean and and again back to the complexity of situations if you're interested in this at all and you're the type of person that's like i'm canceling my spotify because i was essentially told to you're a rube it's crazy you should at least be aware of all these different vectors and be responsible for them. If you still, at the end of the day, think Joe Rogan is ne- a net negative for society and you want to cancel, fine. But I want to hear what you think of all that first. <sighs> Catalog bought by a hedge fund? Yeah, Blackstone. Oh. oh. It's really common now for music. Blackstone or Blackrock? Blackstone. Hmm. Blackrock is the real estate people. but Right. Uh, it's really common now for... Uh, canonical 20th century musicians especially but all successful musicians to sell their catalog to hedge funds um they end up making more money that way than the pennies they would make off of stream right. streaming over time so if you just sell it in a chunk and they get the residuals and you just get rich instantly plus if you're old you're like i'm not gonna live that a much lot of way, people you know? are cashing this lottery ticket in but it begs a lot of questions about motivations of things like this and what the future of music is going to be like the, I mean, we there ha- was a recent article that was about how like old music is actually out competing new music because these hedge funds promote canonical artists over new music. Yeah, because they're all going to fucking like networking events with marketing douchebags at every you know media site. It's not even that. I think it's more like if you paid a hundred million dollars for somebody's back catalog, you need to make two hundred million off of right. it, so you better promote it now, and that's going to be at the expense of up and comers. Right. So it's all it. Whatever. It's all complicated. There's a lot of ins, there's a lot of outs, as the dude would say. Oh, boy. I mean, we, we have, you know, NFTs doing this already, but how long until hedge funds are buying things at Christie's? Already the, already happens. Beep, the Beeple thing that sold for 60-some million dollars was bought by a consortium of Bitcoin people. But that's like an NFT. Who cares? That's not a, that's not a thing. Well, I, I call that a non-thing. Oh, I mean, if you're talking about actual art objects, what do you think all those startup um, art investment apps are, actually are? 
Those oh, are just, just those are just venture portions. capital uh, firms buying artworks and selling, selling the shares portions of, yeah, to right. their consumers. Yeah. So if you like hedge funds, buy art all the time. Really? Yeah. Not hedge funds necessarily, but like, yeah, con- conglomerates of elites, yes. Well, yeah, that, yeah, it's partner buys. Like, you know, there was a thing, uh, first gazing ball show, uh, Ed Zwerner. Um, there was lots of triple buys going on, like three way, three way buys and in investing. Because again, that, that's just even the cards. richest yeah. people in the world can't afford hundred million dollar artworks. You know, now I'm not saying those Jeff Koons gazing balls were that expensive, but like some of his public sculpture and stuff is. Yeah. How do they get that? Gotta, you know, Damien Hirst yeah. was one of the buyers for his own diamond skull piece. No, he was part of the consortium that bought it. Yeah, no, it was unsold. You, you know, you know the story. Well, wait a minute. My my understanding of it was it was technically unsold, but that it went on a world tour sponsored by Damien Hirst and a few other billionaires, at which point it was then sold. No, no, no. It was never sold. It's sitting in a storage space in, in Serpentine or White Cube. At White Cube. It was never sold. They let it leak that, oh, it's unsold. We have some buyers. And then, oh, it has sold to someone, but it was just held in trust by the gallery and him. And oh, loaned. so some money changed hands to make it look in a gray way like it had been transacted and then... Like someone paid for the shipping. I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like paid for like the loan. Right, right. The but insurance it was, on it. Yeah, and it, yeah, but it was never... Yeah, oh, and that's it also nothing. didn't cost yeah, yeah. as much as it did to produce. Like that was just a PR flurry anyway. Sure. Is the the thing that I read it was like, no, this never actually sold. It's sitting in a fucking warehouse. And now it's fourteen years later, and I think this is the first time I've thought about it since then. (laughs) So no worries, guys. Whatever's bothering you, you're not gonna remember it. You're not gonna remember it, and also it's probably dumb. Definitely. (sighs) What a terrible world to live in. Ah, it's not so bad. I feel like our conversation was semi optimistic. Just do your best to keep your own attention span. Absorb complexity. Don't reject it. Or just know when you're doing it. Be aware. Yeah. You know, look both sides before you cross into the, the realm of another thing, another idea. Otherwise, is the floor hot lava? Yes, it is. Jump on those pillows. Absolutely. Absolutely.